All right, Andrew, this is going to be the Halloween episode, so I need you to get spooky. Mm-hmm. I need you to put in your vampire fangs. Vampire I, fangs, yep. Right. I need you to uh, fill my house with cobwebs, more cobwebs than it already has, which okay. is going to be hard, but uh, I think I think you're the man for the job. I think I, think I, I know a cobweb guy. Um, you could say he's a dealer <laughs> of cobwebs, among other things. Are you talking about our beloved Jonathan Martin? Jonathan, <laughs> Uncle Stabo... Drug mule slash drug kingpin slash cobweb dealer. <laughs> Cobwebs is what he calls cocaine. Oh, it's a code word. Yeah. 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 I, I heard like, they so use You that. want lots of cocaine around the house for, yeah. for ha- Halloween. Okay. So, you want me to be spooky for Halloween? I do. How's this? Mm-hmm. I took a dump in your shoes. <laughs> That's... <laughs> Ooh, spooky. <laughs> was, it a, was it a spooky dump? Uh, it didn't come out the right colour, so yeah. <laughs> was it like ectoplasm or something? Uh, there was a greenish tinge. Theme. Hey, we got a new thing, Rob. Hey, hold on. What's the new thing? Hold on a minute. I haven't, I haven't done the introduction yet. Oh, fine. Just bear, bear with me. Hold on, hold on to that thought. Okay, I'll hold on to it. All right. That sounds really. Great. I hope you get away from my shoes. Get away from. <laughs> I'll, just, I'll just be in your closet for a minute. Oh god. Hello, all you lovely people in internet land, and welcome to a very special and very spooky Halloween episode. Of Game Life Balance Australia. I'm your malevolent host, Robert Bailey, and I'm joined, as always, by the original bride of Frankenstein himself, Andrew A.C. Yoshimura. I was a male in bride. <laughs> Had to post myself. Too cheap. <laughs> Too cheap to fly by plane. <laughs> Dr. Frankenstein was like, I think someone's opened this package and tampered with it because. <laughs> okay. I, I, look, damaged Uncle, goods. <laughs> Uncle Stabo did send me, and I was full of cocaine when I got there. <laughs> That's that's how he does it. That's how he evades the border authorities. <laughs> By putting me in a cheap cardboard box and slapping a stamp on it. So if you're listening, police... Oh, no. Um, they're, definitely, they're, they're definitely not listening. And if they are, they're on their way to our house right now <laughs> to stop this from happening. But they aren't because no one listens to the show. And so the show will go on for no one to hear. So... This is like that tree falling in the forest. <laughs> that's definitely right. If, a, if two idiots in Australia record a podcast, but no one's there to subscribe to the RSS feed, does the podcast even exist? I can clap with one hand. <laughs> oh, sorry. It's full of cocaine. I'll just wipe that out. <laughs> just dust that off. I can, that's <laughs> right. I know a place I can put it. Yeah. <laughs> if we were recording a video uh, of this, you would, you would see a giant Scarface-esque pile of cocaine <laughs> on our desk. Amidst which the microphone is nestled lovingly, like a baby bird in its nest. Courtesy of our good friend, Jonathan... Jonathan... Jonathan Uncle Stabo Martin. Uncle Stabo oh, I was on a bit of a roll there, but then it all came to a, a terrible a end. Crashing, crashing hole. I, I, I say we keep that in. Now, Rob... Um, okay, so Halloween. Halloween special. Spooky. Spooky. Yep. You're an idiot. Okay, so... <laughs> 
What? You're Australian. I'm Australian. Mm-hmm. We don't really celebrate Halloween well, here. Look, I got, I, there's something I, I'll talk about that a bit later in the show. But mm. some of us, yeah. let's say the more Americanized slash people with a foreign influence in their life, sometimes will observe Halloween. Mm-hmm. Um, it tends to be something more for the kids out here, I think. Like when you have a young child um, and they express interest in trick-or-treating, you humor them and you give them a costume and stuff. But then at a point, you go, all right, mate. That's enough of that. I'm not American. So uh, what we're going to do is we're just going to act like nothing's happening. And uh, we'll all just pretend that this isn't this isn't Halloween. And we'll all get over it and get on with our That's lives. That's what my, my parents did. Yeah. Yeah. The, to, yeah. I mean, if you pronounced it, if you pronounced the last letter in the alphabet Z instead of Z in my <laughs> household, you'd get the belt. <laughs> I should say, I remember like there was a phase in my childhood where... My parents did send me out trick-or-treating with the neighborhood kids. Wow. So we'd go and, and get candy and Did you and so actually get, get lollies and It was stuff? a hit-and-miss affair. Sometimes we'd because go to a house and they'd give us, you know, like they'd, they'd be prepared. And they'd give us candy and, you know, um, wow. chocolates and things like that. Other houses would be, um, you know, taken by surprise, I guess, and would like rummage around in their, kit, in their cupboard. I remember distinctly one family giving me arrowroot biscuits <laughs> in, my, in my, uh, my little Halloween sack. Which made me feel like I would want to egg their house mm. if I was the kind of kid that could muster up the courage to do something like that. I've egged people's uh, houses before. I had nothing to do with Halloween. <laughs> just general teenage malevolence and sort of, you know... Well, yeah. Antisocial sure. behaviour. It was last week. But yeah, teenage, <laughs> sure. I did oh, it was you. <laughs> okay, now I know. Right. I'm calling the cops. Look, uh, I'll tell them all about your cocaine. Just ixnay on the cocaine name. It was just the first thing that came into my brain. Like, I needed to pick a drug. Funny, that's the first thing that came into my brain this morning when I snorted up a line of cocaine, <laughs> courtesy of Jonathan Uncle Stabbermann. <laughs> At least said his name right this time. His code name is uh, Jonathan. Jonathan. That's right. I'll never track him down now. <laughs> oh, God. I bet Cody's feeling really left out now. Yeah. But the... and, and actually, like, Jonathan Martin is actually really pissed off at us. Yeah. Look, if anyone's got a big pile of cocaine in their house, it's probably Cody. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I right. love how I love how we just pick on these American guys. <laughs> oh god, this is like this show is like fifty percent games and life, and fifty percent insulting two people that most of our listeners may not even know who they are. So you know enough now. You know game enough. slash life slash insulting two Americans balance is basically what we're. I doing think we. I think we're, what we're trying to do is start a war with them <laughs> and see what they do when they retaliate. I'm sure we'll definitely... I'm sure in a war between Australia and America, we definitely come out on top. <laughs> so... <laughs> oh, yeah, there's going to be a lot of guns, isn't we'll there? We'll just send our emus over there. We'll just parachute our emus in and... and okay. Job like, done. This sounds like a joke, but... You've already was... told this story, I think, on this podcast. There but, is. The, yeah. the Great Emu War. Yes. We lost. <laughs> and I think the only solution, the only sane solution to what is happening in America at the moment mm-hmm. is emus. We'll just parachute a bunch of... Vote one emu parachuter. Para, paratrooper. Maybe like a submarine full of emus and we just like sort of let the, silently, kind of like Navy SEALs, they swim towards the beaches of Can America. Can they swim? Uh, we'll find out. <laughs> when I launch them from the torpedo tubes. <laughs> just the image of me stuffing an emu into a torpedo tube that is one that I will, I will enjoy for many a day after if, this. If you know what Australian subs are like, I'm yeah. talking, talking like the, the Collins class submarines, yeah. which are diesel powered. Yes, they also and have can screen stay, doors. Stay under the water for a total, a total time of two minutes and 30 seconds. That was our record. Hey, that's Everyone had to hold their breath though. 
two minutes and 30 seconds is a good night where I come from. <laughs> Moving on. Um, but, you know, they, you know, unlike America, they do actually let women on board and, yeah. you know, command subs. Mm-hmm. You know, they're part of the crew there. So yeah. why not emus? Yeah, sure. We're you know, equal, equal, equal opportunity. That's right. That's right. For too long, emus have been under the thumb of the male patriarchy. And I, for one, am sick of it. So, so you, you think that we're not ruled by emus, but if you look closely at our national, like, our coat of arms, mm-hmm. one of them's an emu. Yep. And if you look even closely, it looks like the other one's a kangaroo, but it's not. It's an emu. <laughs> They're both emus. They're both emus. And in fact, and now here, this is something... This is an emu conspiracy. I'm it gonna, goes all the way to the top. I'm going to blow your mind here. Yeah. But all of the leading uh, government figures in Australia, I'm talking senators, yep. MPs, yep. heads of government departments... Yep. I'm talking uh, religious leaders. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm talking everyone on Channel Nine. <laughs> They're all emus. All <laughs> emus. They're all except, emus. Except Aussie ostrich. Yes, he's who the, was who was ironic, an ostrich? Ironically, he is an ostrich. <laughs> Uh, we used to have this terrible show called Hey Hey It's Saturday. Yes. And that kind of describes how terrible entertainment was for the 70s, 80s and 90s in Australia. So imagine... Okay, I'm going to try and describe this to our American friends. Imagine... Okay. All right. So imagine... Okay. Like, you know, The Tonight Show, right? So imagine The Tonight Show uh, is on at 7.30 instead of like 10 or whenever it is yep. in America. And then insert... Like a really bad, like vaudevillian aspect to it, and also one of the co-hosts is a literal puppet ostrich, and he was the more interesting one. Yes, and the other one was Daryl Summers, who yeah. was about five foot nothing. <laughs> um, and I'm not even sure what else you can say about him. But like the tonight, but he was so banal, was so and like bland. really bad comedy writers. That's yeah. the other thing. The other main difference between uh, this show and the Tonight Show. Apart from the puppet ostrich of the time slot and the the host, is that the the writing was absolutely abysmal. And you know what? It uh, was the only thing on television, <laughs> so we all watched it. So it was like everyone, oh, we gotta watch. Hey, hey, Saturdays on. Yeah. It's like, oh, it's like it's yeah. either that or I don't know, watching paint. <laughs> I mean, paint does stuff after a while <laughs> if you watch it long enough, I guess. Yeah, it's either that or reruns of Dad's Army, basically. So, <laughs> God damn you, ABC. Um, so, yeah. So, speaking of horror shows... We have a game. <laughs> we do have a game. So, as it's the horror... No, sorry. As it's the Halloween episode... Yep. Uh, with all things spooky and, and kooky and a little bit ooky... Okay, we're going to be playing Dynamite Ducks. Yes. Absolutely. No, we're going to be... So, the featured game uh, this week is a game that I've been playing recently. Because it's October and because I love all things creepy and crawly... Uh, it's Amnesia The Dark Descent. Which is not actually a Descent game. Okay, are you sure it's not a Descent game? Because those games were cool. It was like Doom, but in like more dimensions of Doom. Yeah. And like ships and shooting and it's not Descent. No, unfortunately, it's not a Descent style game. It just happens to have the word Descent in the title. You idiot. But um, yeah, I'll talk about this game very briefly. This history and such. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so it is game- a horror game. Yes, and it's one of our for us. It's one of the more recent or current games that came- because it only came out six years ago. Oh wow, so- that's pretty current for us. Yeah, for us, that's like sort of you know we suck, we that- suck. We said we do more more um, more modern games, and we- then we did uh, Command Keen. Yeah, this is about as modern as you're going to get from us. So uh, bear with us, but uh, yeah, it came out in 2010 for the PC. It's been a PC exclusive for. Uh, you know, pretty much since then, but it is going to come out on the PS4. All right, so we're actually ahead of the curve here. Yeah, so you know, um, soon uh, console-only gamers will be able to enjoy 
a bit of Amnesia the Dark Descent. So this game uh, was published and developed by Frictional Games, which is a, uh, a developer I don't know a heck of a lot about. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it is one of the most well-received and beloved horror games. Um, so there are there is an audience um, for horror games that just loves the horror video game genre. Yeah. Um, and this game is is very much held in high regard by I would I want to say like the majority of people who who um, who love their horror video games. So when it came to thinking of a game that I wanted to play for Halloween, this was the top of my list. I had it in my Steam library for a while, um, dipped my toe into it a couple of years ago, um, but then just kind of left it to gather dust. So I thought, well, you know, it's October. Uh, I'm going to be recording a Halloween special for the podcast. So why not? Play some Amnesia. So, so yeah. I'll, I'll talk a bit about the gameplay. So I've never actually played this game until today. Mm-hmm. It's a first-person game. Um, there is no combat. Yeah. You have basically two ways you can die, I suppose. Well, three ways, really. Yeah. Um, number one, you can lose your health. Yep. Number two, you can lose your sanity. Yeah. I like to say number three, you're eviscerated by a monster. <laughs> um, but that's probably part of the whole health thing, <laughs> yeah, I guess. Pretty much. Uh, but it's it, it, it has a lot to do with uh, not being in the dark too long. Yes. So you'll notice that the walls kind of start... Uh, dripping and warping a little bit if you're in the dark. Yes. And then you, and that's obviously denotes that you're losing your sanity, which yeah. is a very clever sort of gameplay element to have in there. Mm. Now, there's only one monster. Yes. Uh, does the monster have a name? Uh, you know what? Um, I've played the game for about six hours now. Mm-hmm. It doesn't seem to have a name. It's just this sort of nameless entity that is hunting you. Uh, because you violated a tomb or something. It's the plot is kind of you kind of piece the plot together from like journal entries and scraps of paper mm. that you collect. Uh, but yeah, there's no name for this thing. It's just the monster or like the the enemy or whatever you want to call so it. That's a yeah. pretty unique sort of uh, gameplay perspective when you have no combat, mm. one monster. Yeah, so it is, there is a monster. You have uh, a certain amount of uh, inventory items that you yeah. can store and use. So, mm-hmm. because you need to keep the place well lit, it need you need lamp oil or candles, and there yeah. are torches around. But yeah, you know you got to use everything sparingly, but also you don't want to go insane. So I suppose it's risk reward. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of like it's a survival horror game. Yeah. So there's a lot of inv- inventory management. So you have tinder boxes which light. Um, candles or torches in the environment, uh, which is useful because when you're in light, your sanity doesn't drain. Um, and you also have a lantern which uh, uses oil. Um, you carry the lantern with you. Um, so the lantern you would think would be the more useful item, but if you use it constantly, you'll run out of oil. So you, you are forced to uh, occasionally not use the lantern and either light some torches or candles that happen to be in your area or just just try and wing it and run through dark areas um, and you're, watch your sanity kind of slowly drip away. And, you yeah. know, your your eyes will adjust to the dark, so it's not permanently dark all no, the time. And the yeah. monster is kind of... I mean, it's shambling. It's not completely slow, but it doesn't make a beeline for you either no. unless you kind of tip it off. Yeah, it's, it's, it's attracted to light primarily. I've made some loud noises when it's been in the area, and it doesn't seem to come to you when you make loud noises, but it's definitely attracted to the light of your lantern. So... When you see the monster, you have to darken your lantern um, and 
you know, basically run away and hide somewhere because you can't fight the monsters. One of the there's two real mechanics in this game that are unique to it. Uh, one is that this whole darkness mechanic, where if you're in the dark, you lose your mind. Yeah. Um, and if you go insane, you die. Um, and the other thing is that you know you have to hide from the monster in the dark. So when you hide from the monster, you're slowly losing your sanity. So you don't want to be hiding for too long. So it's quite stressful when the monster's in the area because you're you you're like go away, go away. You know, because the the longer it hangs around near you, apart from the the threat of it killing you, there's this like dread of like oh, I'm going to lose my mind if 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 I hide here much longer. Yeah. Um. You gain your health for your I should say not your health. You gain your sanity back. Um. In a rather interesting way, instead of getting healing items for your sanity. You get your sanity back from completing puzzles, okay? Which I think is kind of clever. It makes sense. Like you're kind of you're applying yeah, your mind yeah. to something practical. So there's a bit that, of puzzle solving in this. Yeah, there's a few puzzles. It's not a puzzle game. The puzzles are very simple for the most part. Mm. Like, oh, there's a machine that's got cogs missing. I guess I have to go collect the cogs and put them into uh, the machine before I can use it. Um, to back up a little bit, the setting of the game, um, as you can imagine from talk of candles and torches and darkness. It's all set indoors in a castle in Eastern Europe. Mm-hmm. So a very generic kind of gothic horror setting. Yeah, kind of uh, uh, Dracula sort of. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I don't want to go into the plot too much because that's one of the main sort of things about the game that is um, interesting and, and fun to, to sort of discover for yourself. But it's kind of a very traditional horror setting. It, it reminds so me you, of... you find pieces of, of journal and notebook paper as you go along and that kind of yeah. advances the story as well as just trying to stay alive. So mm. I suppose it, it feeds you tidbits here and there. Yeah. And, you know, you, you can kind of piece things together. Mm. And there's all these noises around as well and you hear voices but you're not sure whether the voices are like memories yeah. or... I definitely want to touch on that in, mm. in a little while. I, should, I didn't get to my second thing that's unique no. about the gameplay... Yeah. Which is that there's no combat in the game. Yeah. So you can't fight the monster. You ha- you're forced to run away and hide. The monster is in all of us, Rob. Yeah, that's right. We, you know, aren't we the real monster? No, actually, this thing is like made of corpses and shit. So it's definitely the real monster. <laughs> it's pretty... um, it's got, it's got like no mouth and stuff. So Well, um... I don't know whether it has no mouth. It has a very big mouth that's yeah, kind of got... hanging off its chest. It's kind of got like no bottom jaw. Anyway, look, yeah. we'll let you discover it for yourself. Hmm. Um, but yeah, the fact that you have to hide and run... And the fact that you are avoiding the darkness and and you know trying to keep yourself sane, it all adds up to um, a very I would I would call the game stressful to play, um, not necessarily scary. And this gets to your point that I wanted to mention earlier when you talked about the sounds in the game. Yeah. So there's there's a lot of things this game does well, and mm. I'll mention those first, and then I'll get on to the things that I think it does poorly. Okay. So. Uh, what it does well is it has a really good sense of place, a really good sense of immersion. Um, the environment um, feels very lived in. And as you explore it, it's got this very tactile way of controlling the game where uh, to interact with the environment, you use the mouse, obviously, because it's a PC game. Yeah. Um, to open a door in most PC games, you would like click on the door or hit a button on your keyboard to open the door. In this game, you click the mouse button to hold onto the door handle and then you push your mouse and that opens the door. So if you don't push your mouse hard enough, it only opens it halfway. And and to move objects around, like say you're rummaging through a room looking for something, you have to pick up things with your mouse and move them to like rummage through boxes and crates. And like if you have a, if there's a chest in front of you, you have to click on the chest lid 
push the mouse to like open the lid. Um, that mechanic is throughout the game, and it does lead to some interesting scenarios. There was one I was telling you about earlier, AC, where I was being chased um, by this sort of invisible presence down this hallway, mm. um, and it was closer, coming closer and closer behind me. There was a door in front of me, or a grate, or something. I, to open it, I had to wind a winch, like a circular kind of winch yeah, thing. like a crank. And you had to grab on... Yeah, like a crank. And you had to grab hold of it with the mouse and circle your mouse on the mouse pad, like, madly. And this door is, like, slowly creaking open like a portcullis in front of you. Um, and that's that adds a lot of tension and stress to, mm. the, to the gameplay because this thing's coming behind you. You can't see it because you can't look away. You're just working on this winch. And you're just like, hurry up, hurry up. And you're, like, madly spinning your mouse trying to get it to, to open. So, so... So it does sound very tactile in yeah, that sense. It and does, that, and that makes it feel really, um, like it makes you feel like you're really inhabiting the space. So that's, I suppose that's, a, that's part yeah. of part of the horror, isn't it? If you are immersed enough, and you know, it gives you a, a more of a tactile sensation of what's going on, and it, get, it have, you know, you're putting in effort on your part rather yeah. than just clicking a button. Yeah. So I'm guessing, you know, even if you don't find that sort of stuff scary, yeah. you'd probably at least find it like, you know, you'd probably get a lot of anxiety yes. from that if, if you are immersed in the gameplay. Yeah, definitely. And I think I think that's what the game has mainly made me feel. And I think, you know, when it comes to a horror game, I don't typically think of myself as much of a horror fan in general, whether mm. it's movies or games. Um, and coming into this game, I was thinking, well... As someone who hasn't played a lot of horror games, um, am I going to be freaked out by this game? You know, because a lot of people say, oh, it's really scary. It's one of the best horror games ever made. So I was coming in kind of expecting to be very terrified. Yeah. What I found was that aside from a few jump scares, some very effective jump scares, Mm. I should say, um, what the, the feeling this game gives me is more a gnawing sense of dread and anxiety and stress rather than being horrified or, or, or afraid they could be um, classified as kinds of yeah like, kinds of elements of the horror genre certainly yeah. you know because when you watch a, a horror movie you feel stressed for the person in that situation just, don't go back in that room oh no what are you doing oh yeah why are you, are you a virgin and surviving <laughs> and that other person totally is not yep yep why did you teens go out into the woods and have sex and drink you know you're gonna get murdered <laughs> um but yeah this game doesn't really it hasn't really evoked what i would call like real real fear in me um so do you have any other problems with the game like is there anything else you would say that kind of negatively affects it look there's some things that fell flat so uh you mentioned the sound Mm. in the game so it's very good and i i have a sound card that um does simulated surround sound so putting my headphones on and playing the game is very immersive Mm. um the sound is 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 good the problem is there's some things they try and do to scare you um, with the sound that doesn't really work. So let me explain. So when you start playing the game, when you're walking around the castle, exploring rooms and things, you'll hear some odd things. Like you might hear voices in the distance, screaming or the sounds of dogs barking and things. Just unusual things you shouldn't be hearing. Um, it became apparent to me at some point that those sounds did not have any direct impact on the gameplay. Yeah. That and, and, and it came to the point where I just don't... I just ignore the sounds. So now they weren't because, effective as part of 
Yeah. yeah. Like, I've learned the sounds that mean something gameplay-wise. Like, I know the sound of the roar of the monster. Yeah. So when I hear that, I'm like, oh, crap. You know, there's a monster in the area. But when I hear a voice going, oh, help, oh, or something like that, I'm just like, oh, that's just audio. Like, it just... I've I've taught myself... The game has taught me, really, yeah. to ignore stuff like that. And I think that's a shame. So is, there any, is there any point where yeah. it could actually be real and you've just ignored it? I would love it. And I, I haven't finished the game, so mm. I should say, I think I'm more than halfway through it now. But I would love it if they did turn the tables on me and some of the things I'm hearing actually do manifest in, in a way that affects me as a player. Um, so, But so far, I've I found that audio, the tricks they're using in the audio to kind of try and scare you to not really be effective... Um, the I suppose other, that's yeah. yeah. It can be it can be an interesting tool, but maybe it was overused. I think they a just didn't because even when mm. I was playing it for like you know fifteen minutes, like you did hear a lot of those sorts of things. And mm. sometimes you walk into a room and you get like a flashback, yes, sort of thing as well. Yeah, that, like a story element gets told yeah. to you. Yeah, and you know these all could be part of the stories, but you know they can also just be kind of distractions at the same time. Mm. I suppose you know this could be a hindsight thing. Uh, you know, more games like this of this nature have come out. Yeah, yeah. But uh, I suppose, would you recommend this game? Like, is this a game that you would recommend to our listeners? Yeah, look, I tell you what, it is good. I'm, I am enjoying it. Yeah. Um, I'm not a horror fan, but I'm enjoying it just as an experience. And I think, I think that is the strength of the game, is that it, it does put you in this, this very well-crafted environment. It does make you feel like you're there. And it does evoke a lot of... Um, primal kind of emotions and reactions so it is it is a effective in that sense and it is you know it's a very well regarded game um, apparently very influential in the horror genre um, but apart from all of that it's very cheap I think you can get it on Steam for a pittance right now mm. um, and it is October it is the season so if you're in the mood for some spooky creepy fun and you haven't played Amnesia before uh, yeah, I'm going to give him a recommendation yeah. because... If you're a horror fan, give it a go. Yeah, despite its flaws, there's something that it does that is really well done. So, yeah, nice. thumbs up. Mm. Excellent. Now, for a bit of change of pace, we actually have some news. We used to have a new segment ages and ages ago. Yeah, uh, that's right. And I, the more um, astute listener would have noticed that we kind of abandoned it. Yeah, we decided that we aren't the people you come to for your video game news. And if you are, then you have more problems than we do. Yeah, like just because like we record like often sometimes, usually at least three days in advance, sometimes weeks in advance mm-hmm. because of our schedules and... You know, we, we're happy to give our opinion on the news, but it's certainly not worth coming to us for new news. Yeah, the latest, greatest happenings in video games. However, there has been something that has happened in the past couple of days, which I think we kind of want to talk about. And I think we'd be remiss not to talk about it, so... We're, we're, we're kind know. of Nintendo fans, I think it's fair to say. And yeah. the Nintendo NX was revealed to be the Nintendo Snitch. Sorry, the <laughs> Nintendo Switch. <laughs> Yeah, it happened like, Snitch. well, recording this happened like today or yesterday. It happened uh, at one o'clock this morning. Yeah. So time. technically today. Yeah. Uh, when you hear this a couple of days ago, but it's, um, it's interesting the way that it was just a three minute 30 or three minute 37 
basically like a song. It was like millennials playing. Yes. It was kind of a slightly obnoxious uh, (laughs) promotional ad thing uh, they released. So, you know, you learned a lot about it in that short space. There Mm -hmm. are things you didn't learn. You learned that it is portable and console, Mm -hmm. uh, which, you know, they were the rumors for a long time. Yeah. Uh, You mentioned, you know, it's mentioned that the... um, the controllers clip off the side. Yes. And you can like have like a more direct kind of controller, yeah. like a more traditional one, but you can also be on the side of this tablet, yep. which you can take with you and then clip into your dock with your television. Yeah. And play it on either, you know, handheld or console version. Yeah, so you can just which literally cool. pick up your console, stick these little handles on it. And off you go out into the world with your, uh, you know, your portable game system. Mm. So. so they didn't mention power or specs or anything like that. Mm. I don't really care about that so much. Yeah. Because, you know, you already know that it plays the sorts of games that Nintendo would make. So Yeah, but it is interesting that they did make a big deal in some of their tweets about, oh, all our third parties are coming along. Look at all the third parties that are coming with us. Yeah, so, they said that last time, though. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's interesting to see Skyrim Enhanced Edition or Skyrim Special Edition or whatever they're calling it yeah. was heavily featured in that ad. It was. They really wanted to make this point, I think, that, oh, this doesn't just play your Nintendo games. It also plays... I love them Nintendo games. It also plays games that, you know, people who aren't Super Nintendo fans like. So... I think they were trying to make a point here. I think having a portable Skyrim, like uh, Skyrim Advanced or Skyrim Special Edition or Skyrim SP, whatever they want to call it. Yeah, yeah. I think that has merit as well. Like saying, hey guys, Mm. you know, this is going to be cool. You kind of want to get on the bottom floor in this one. Mm -hmm. Um, They didn't mention price, uh, which of course, I can't blame them for that because it's going to be different in every region. It's probably, I would estimate that uh, it would probably cost about 300 Bucks American, yeah, um, and probably a thousand dollars Australian. <laughs> yes, it costs an arm and a leg, literally. Oh, I really hate pricing in Australia. It's yeah. so stupid. Yep, yep. Uh, I, like there is a lot of uh, things about that ad. I've I've watched it twice. Mm-hmm. Um, I like the idea of portability. I like the idea that you can unclip the controllers. Except you've pointed out that the D pads are incredibly tiny. Yeah, but it's cool because you can you can the ad showed that you can clip off the controllers. Yeah, have give two one players. to your mate. Yeah, and you have one. Yeah, and so it basically comes with two controllers. Yeah. in a way. I reckon I'm going to be the first person to mm-hmm. choke on one of these things and get a warning label put on them. <laughs> yes, the tiny D pad <laughs> does look like something that would be a choking hazard. <laughs> it is literally. I mean, if you haven't seen the ad, um, you know, check it out because it's about the size of like a pinky finger thumbnail. This this tiny little D pad. Um, It'll be interesting to see what hap- what it looks like in in real life. Mm. They they did have a release date for it, which is March uh, twenty seventeen. Which mm. is I just soon. It, I just would mention. I just called it a pinky finger thumbnail. <laughs> I just want you to dwell on that. Think I about that. Moved, for a I moved on from that purposefully <laughs> pretty quickly because I did not want to dwell on your little pinky. But finger. The thing is, if you didn't, I would have heard that. When I was editing this episode. You don't edit these episodes. I you don't do, listen to this. I do edit them, damn it. <laughs> you, tops and tails. Oh, Andrew said something, Andrew said something horribly sacrilegious again. I'll leave that in. Look, all I'm going to say is I would listen back to this, hear that, and <laughs> groan. So what I'm doing is making an extra big deal about it to compensate. Okay. So, yeah, moving on, moving on. All right, moving on. Okay, so uh, it is it is interesting because... I like the idea. I think the idea has a lot of merit. If it's going to be like a really portable, portable, powerful kind of tablet, I'd imagine that you'd hope that it can do internet. Mm-hmm. Um, it'll probably report your position. It'll report you to the cops. Yeah. That's why they call it the Nintendo Snitch. Yes. It's yes. totally snitching on That's you. That's right. You'll be walking across the road and it'll go, Ah, oh, jaywalking alert, jaywalking alert. <laughs> call the police. <laughs> 
<laughs> help, help, I'm being jaywalked. <laughs> help, help, I'm being jaywalked. I think that's something you can be jaywalked. If you're, if you're walking a dog across the road, right? On a the, leash. the dog is. You are jaywalking that dog. I like the idea of like someone is forcing you to jaywalk. <laughs> that is that is fantastic, and I am going to do so much illegal stuff using this Nintendo Snitch yeah. if I ever get one. Yeah. Now, I should say I probably will get one, but there is one thing that I don't know yet, and you know we know nothing other than what was shown in the ad and a couple of tweets. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. This is going to be the big one for me. Mm-hmm. Is this thing? going to be region locked ah good question and knowing nintendo's history probably yeah because (laughs) i hate nintendo when they do that yeah all of their stuff is is region locked in the old days you can get buy it you know like couple of pop a couple of tabs in the bottom of your n64 you know worries Mm. over but nowadays you know it gets so much more complicated but the fact that they showed someone Getting on a plane with this thing, mm. you know, standing it up and then like getting to the destination and like hooking it back in and all that kind of stuff. If after all of that and all of that air travel they show, they say, no, it's region locked. I will <laughs> be so angry will about you, them. Will you go ape shit on them? I will. You have no idea. Like, I will actually be actively on Twitter saying, I love Nintendo as a company. Do not buy this product. If nobody buys this product and everyone just hammers them 24-7 is like, don't make it region locked. Don't make it region locked. Maybe they'll finally listen and they never listen to yeah. fans ever. Let's get, we'll get the GLB army together. Yeah. By which I mean the three people who listen to this show. Yeah. And we will write hammer angry, them. We'll write Absolutely. Angry hammer them. Because you know why? We'll order pizzas to Shigeru Miyamoto's house. <laughs> we'll... Um... Short sheet him. <laughs> Take a dump in his shoes. The, that's what they call doing the old AC maneuver. <laughs> I'll make sure I'll, I'll have something very green beforehand. That's what they call the Canberra steamer. <laughs> we very rarely mention that particular bodily function. I very rarely mention it myself, uh, um, but it was just funny today. Anyway, uh, anyway, like that. I just wanted to point out that I really hope it's not region locked. Um, yeah, yeah. I think that, because mm. if it's meant to be portable and meant to be accessed everywhere by everyone if you region lock it you are making a big mistake it'd be kind of like the sony vita charging hundreds of dollars for your 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 horrible little um memory cards because that is what really failed the vita yeah and sony never even figured that out yeah they never put prices down they never said oh we'll give one free in every box no it's just like no we never figured it out if you want the vita you'll pay for it oh wait you do want the Vita, don't you? Wait, where are you going? Wait, no, no, no. <laughs> this uh, is coming from the one who has two Vitas. Yeah. Anyway, do you have any final thoughts on the um, Look, on the uh, Snitch news? So my so your your like sort of point of interest was is this region locked? Yeah. My point of interest was as someone who hasn't owned a Nintendo console for a long time. Yeah. Um, is this going to be something that appeals to me? And right now, I don't know. I, I watched that ad and I thought, hmm, I. Don't know whether I want one or well, not. Well, to be fair, it's uh, one. It's like one ad, and we yeah. have no other information. Yeah. So you really can't make a um, an informed decision at this point. Yeah, it's hard to know. I mean, look, I will say I have been even through the Wii U era, which is I think we can all agree not Nintendo's high watermark. No. I have looked with some jealousy on the Nintendo exclusives that you have access to. So there have been times where I thought to myself. Maybe I should go to Wii U so I can play that dear Mario Karts at home, you know. But but then Mario 3D World. But then I think, well, 
do I do I want it bad enough to shell out hundreds hundreds of dollars? And the answer mm. was always no, not really, because I can always just go over to your place and just yeah, exactly. mooch off you. Yeah, um, no problems there. So I'm not sure. I think the power thing has been something I've been thinking about a lot because well, you don't need power because you got a PC. You know, well, like, I've I've just been thinking more as like someone who's sympathetic to Nintendo and mm-hmm. wants them to do well and wants them to stay competitive. Um, what's let them down a lot, I think, recently, not to get on my soapbox too much, is What's let them down, I think, is that the Wii was a big success um, through the combination of um, a really cool gimmick and a lot of strong first-party titles. Yeah. And I think they made the mistake of thinking that all we need is a gimmick and strong first-party titles and we'll be fine. See, and yeah. I, don't, I think the Wii U has shown that that's not really true, that they need more than just good first-party games and a funky gimmick. Um, so I'm hoping that what they will do is make the 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 switch. I almost said snitch, and I almost said annex <laughs> the switch. <laughs> I'm hoping that they'll make the switch something that can, if not be on the same level as a PS4 or an Xbox One, mm. at least be in the same ballpark, so that you can get ports of the current big uh, third-party games on your your switch if you want so you don't have to own a ps4 or an xbox one to play whatever flavor of the month is coming out you can play it on your switch because i think that would do a lot of good i think it would but there will be limitations because of the fact that it is ostensibly a handheld in many situations yeah so so it's it's will be limitations yeah um i will finish off by saying that i did a poll on twitter today and said uh do you reckon that the um the region you know the uh, the the snitch. I'm going to keep calling it that because I think it's funny. Okay. Uh, the Nintendo Snitch uh-huh. will be region locked, mm. uh, and it was a dead tie, fifty-fifty. Wow. Okay. Like mm. you know, I got twelve votes or twenty-four votes or something like that. It wasn't It wasn't a huge sample rate, but mm-hmm. it was like mm-hmm. dead fifty-fifty, and I just kind of went, ah, it's just a time will tell, AC. Yeah, time will tell. Yeah, but look, we're excited. We'll, more news, I'm sure, will be coming out oh, yeah. soon. So, but you know, we'll we'll mention it offhandedly, I guess. But this is like the big thing that people have been waiting for for so, a while. Yeah, so, yeah, it'll be interesting to see where it goes from here. Cool. All right. Well, with that out of the way, let's move to our beloved game life balance segment. Beloved, you damn snitch. <laughs> Okay, AC, it's the Halloween special. Ugh. So what exciting, spooky, creepy times have you got planned for Halloween this you year? You know, I've already talked about this with you on air and off air. <laughs> I do not celebrate Halloween. It's not that I don't want to celebrate Halloween. It's just that we're in Australia and I don't care. <laughs> You're doing something, though. You've got that damn look yeah. in your eyes yep. where you're going, I've got... Are you going to change into a costume? Are you evil Knievel? No, look, okay. So, okay. I... Love Halloween. Yes. But I do not observe Halloween to the extent of dressing up as something silly. I'm not going to be sexy Indiana Jones or whatever the hell people dress up as on Halloween when they're 30 years old. But what I will be doing mm-hmm. uh, with my family is... Uh, this is a tradition that we've had for a couple of years now. Yep. We uh, get a bunch of junk food. Yep. And we watch fun, not particularly scary... Uh, Halloween themed or horror-y movies all night long. Um, so uh, some of the picks from years past yep. was just like very tame stuff like Hocus Pocus ah. or uh, Gremlins is a good mm. one. Although you could argue Gremlins is more of a Christmas film. Cr- Gremlins is a um, Christmas movie. More it's than sort of like Bridges well. both in the sense that it's kind of horror-ish. Yeah. Um, it's certainly 
Horror comedy. Yeah, or um, Beetlejuice was another one we watched. So, this is the kind of stuff we do. Like, I'm not actually really into horror movies, but I do like a bit of, like, harmless, creepy, spooky fun. Yeah, okay. So, So what's on the schedule this year? uh, So, this year, uh, we're thinking uh, Adam's Family, the original Adam's Family movie from 1991. Um, A classic. And I think we had another one planned, uh, which escapes me right now. Um... I'll come back to you on that. <laughs> it sounds like the kind of the perfect opportunity to do some really bad mystery science theater 3000 well, style. Movies. I was actually thinking, it's funny you mentioned that because just today I was thinking I might want to institute a tradition maybe next year mm. where I gather my nerdy friends together and we watch mystery science theater movies like maybe like the night before Halloween mm. um, so that I can preserve the tradition I have with my family. Uh, but we also get the chance to watch some some classic MST3K episodes that have like a horror. It doesn't, it doesn't need to be Halloween uh, for that, dude. We should yeah. we should totally just watch some more MST3K. Yeah, we definitely should, and I should definitely make my wife watch <laughs> MST3K. Mitchell, make her watch Mitchell. Oh gosh, she watched. I made her watch Santa Claus versus the Martians, and I think that kind of soured her on the whole idea. So yeah, I mean, I I have seen that movie. Without the the um, without Joel and the robots mm. there, Joel and the bots, because I have actually seen that because that was on SBS. Like the <laughs> oh god, imagine watching that without them making fun of it. God, I mean, like they when they showed the movie, it mm. was on cult movies, which used uh, to be on Saturday nights. Yeah, this, yeah. this delightful guy, like this delightful movie buff called mm. uh, Des Mangan. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Used to introduce these movies, and he used to have a whole host of facts, and he would actually just introduce them and go, "This is terrible. It's horrible, but it's so funny. You've got to see it." <laughs> <laughs> that was basically his introduction to this movie. And yeah, you know, it, mm. it doesn't, you can't take it seriously. Cause no. I don't think even the people who were making it took it seriously. No, it's it's a very bad movie. On a shoestring budget. Uh, but yeah, I, I think the reason Halloween is so special to, to me and my family in particular is because our wedding anniversary is, um, is on All Saints Day. It's on the 1st of November. Okay. So Halloween is the night before our wedding anniversary. And also, my daughter's birthday is on the 2nd of November. So you have Halloween, my wedding anniversary, and my daughter's birthday three days in a row. So, yes, where I burn an effigy of myself. Uh, (laughs) I burn one of those every day. Yeah, I know you do. It's really really upsetting, In your front yard. Yeah, I do. While I'm wearing a white hood. (laughs) And nothing else. Um... (laughs) But yeah, the so those the fact that those three things all happen at once um, makes this a very special time of year for mm. for me. So, like celebrating Halloween is just part of the fun for us. And I will never forget the night before I got married. Uh, we had a heck of a day setting up the wedding. My wife was like running around like crazy. She was basically ordering me around, um, getting all these things set up at the wedding venue. By the end of the day, I was exhausted. She stayed overnight at the venue. Yeah. It was this lovely... Um, you were there. This yeah. lovely uh, country home. And she stayed overnight with her um, yeah, bridesmaids there. Um, and I came home to our apartment, exhausted, bought a six-pack of beer, um, and stayed up uh, watching, um, you know... like I think I watched a couple of like horror movies on, on Halloween right before my wedding day. So to me, that I had this deep fondness for Halloween, but mm. only in the sense of watching schlocky sort of scary movies <laughs> and eating bad food and drinking alcohol so uh, i don't dress up we're thinking of maybe getting my daughter like something cute 
Halloween like outfit, like maybe like a onesie with like a ca- like a spooky castle or something on it, you know, okay. something like that. Yeah. Um. So that's the extent to which I celebrate Halloween. So there you go, everyone. If you're in America and you're a Halloween nerd, that, Halloween nerd. That's this totally is, a thing now. This is probably as much Halloween as you'd ever get from an Aussie. Is me. Um. I think so. so. Like yeah. I, I actually celebrated Halloween a hell of a lot more when I was living in Japan because it's. I mean, it's more of an adult thing over there that there's no trick-or-treating because it wouldn't work because of all the apartment buildings anyway, which you can't get into without access codes and (laughs) keys and stuff like that. (laughs) But, like, adults know of it and, you know, cosplay is kind of a thing in Japan, obviously. Mm -hmm. So, you know, and when I was over there, I knew a lot of Americans. So we would often have Halloween parties and, you know, I've, I've, and we used to host them at my apartment when Mm. I was in Japan as well. So I have, I've been a Jedi, I've been Superman. Oh, cool. So, you know, I've I've got a couple of costumes stashed away somewhere, which I, you know, can pull out if I really need to go to a costume party or something like that. But um, after I got back to Australia, it was kind of like a non-event. Yeah. Not, you know, really, it wasn't... It's not something that I ever really need to observe. If, if we wanted to get people to come around, eat candy, watch bad movies, and, um, you know, and basically dress up, we would mm. just organise a party yeah. called probably... The brilliant AC, eat bad food, watch bad movies, wear bad clothing party or something. <laughs> Pretty every party ever held. First annual. <laughs> um, yeah, I think, you know, there's there's something to be said about the foreign influence. Because my wife's from the UK where Halloween is much more of a big deal mm. than it is here. Yeah. It's kind of like, so if you imagine America as kind of like the extreme end of like, they love Halloween. Yeah. Australia, like the other end, like we don't really care about Halloween. Mm. The UK is kind of in the middle. Right? It's a thing, but it's not... It's not as big a deal yeah. as it is. But so she loves Halloween. Yeah. Um, Meg loves it and always thought it was a shame that Australians don't celebrate it because she was something she was very fond of when she was a kid. So that's another reason why we kind of make a bigger deal out of it in my house than most Aussies would. Yeah, fair I enough. Guess. Um, but yeah, look, enough enough Halloween talk for what, now. What games have you been playing? Right. Because I know you've actually kind of put Stardew Valley on the back burner for a little while. A little bit, yeah. So I'm still keeping my hand in in Stardew Valley. I, uh, I will admit, though, it's been a couple of days since I've played it. Um, my current strategy with that game is to play a day or two every time I log on and then just leave it, you know? Because I do want to progress and I do want to get married and just see that and i want to complete the community center which for those who who have played the game you'll know what i'm talking about it's kind of this like set of goals and like achievements and once you've achieved all these different things in the game it opens up this community center for the town to enjoy um so i think the community center plus the wedding that'll be where i decide to sort of like you know say, all right i'm and... done with this because the game can go on forever it never yeah. it doesn't ever end um so you have to sort of make your own goals really so uh, I have been putting my gaming time into other things. Uh, I picked up playing... Finally. I finally decided to pick up playing Total War Rome 2 again because I never finished my Rome campaign. Oh, in did you, game. Were you playing as Rome in that? Yes, I was playing as Rome. The first... I think it makes sense when you play that game. The first faction you should play as is, is Rome. So yeah, makes sense. I finally uh, completed my Rome campaign in that game. So I, I did the military victory, which basically... There's is a few different... there any other kind? <laughs> there are, but... Um, the, is I... there any other kind worthwhile? <laughs> well, look, I, I will say... So, the, there's... They're all kind of similar in the sense you need to control certain regions of the game. And there's a couple of other things you need to accomplish before it gives you the little cutscene and the splash screen that says, you know, hey, hurrah, hurrah, you've won victory, etc. Um, I went for the military victory because I really wanted to recreate the borders 
of the Roman Empire at its height. Mm. Uh, and I did that. So the last thing I needed to do um, when I picked up the game again after leaving it for a few months was conquer Britain, which is actually really cool because um, I expected it to be a cakewalk. I had three full legions on the coast of France, including one led by Gaius Julius Caesar. Um, and we, I heard of that guy. We went across the channel, uh, landed, um, and I thought, well, I'm going to you know, duff these guys over because I have this huge empire at this point. Like, all of the Mediterranean is mine. Um, and I, well, you know, the British tribes were very small. But actually, I had one really close battle that I considered to be kind of like the climax of my game. And after that... It was pretty much a mopping up exercise, and I and I mm. closed closed down. But it was a really close battle because it was a siege. They had, um, I think the the numbers were like something like they had like something like three thousand or four thousand troops, which is a lot for this game. I had seven thousand troops on my side, and that's two full Roman legions yeah. um, in this battle, and it was down to the wire. So the game gives you the settings I've chose. It gives you an hour to complete a battle, and if you're the attacker, you have to win. In that, in those sixty minutes, if you haven't won in those sixty minutes, you lose. So, oh wow! You, uh, and in I the, suppose that's good because yeah, it, it adds a, it forces, a sense of you know because they are defending, and if you can't win within a certain amount of time, yeah, they have successfully defended. Yeah, I suppose. if they still hold the town square, yeah, by the end of those sixty minutes, they've won. I spent way too long setting up my artillery and like positioning it, positioning it perfectly because I had this reinforcing army coming in from the side of the map. And it took a good 10, 15 minutes for them to even march up to where my other army was. And then I set up the artillery very carefully to kind of like, you know, destroy their walls, like, you know, with catapults and ballistas and stuff. And um, that took 20 minutes. And then I thought, well, I'll easily win this because I'm the Romans and these guys are just some barbarians, you know. Um, they had way more troops than I realized. <laughs> and actually, I, I won the battle with only two minutes left on the clock. Oh, wow. So it was actually very stressful and very exciting. And So after you finally won the game, did yeah. you get a cutscene or something like that? Uh, I did. There's this cool little cutscene you get. Um, I wonder whether it differs depending on the victory you got. Because I got the military victory, and the cutscene was very militaristic. Like a lot of armies marching uh, shots of the different regions of the world that I conquered. So like a, you know, like a sort of panning shot of the pyramids, then a right. panning shot of... Um, you know, somewhere in Gaul or Britain and then a panning shot of some Mediterranean cities and it just makes you feel like, wow, I've conquered this huge area, you know. Um, and then the splash screen at the end with, like, the stats, how many battles I've fought and that kind of jazz. So that was really good. Felt like a real achievement. So um, I think... I'm ready to start something else now. That's I don't know cool. what it's going to be. So, at the end... So, you mentioned military victory. Is it yeah. kind of like civilization where you can get a cultural victory yeah. and stuff like that? Yeah, or? there's like an economic victory. And then there's one other kind, which may actually be called the cultural victory. Okay. Or dip- diplomatic victory. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, they're, and they're more to do with... Um, I like trade agreements yeah. and like the number of vassals and things you have and these sorts of things. Um, the military victory was very much like control all these different regions and they're very far flung. Yeah. So it's like control Britain and control Egypt and control Armenia. And like, so it really forces you to expand. And if you complete, if you get that victory, you have, by the very nature of the goals it sets, recreated the Roman Empire at its height. So oh, okay. it's yeah. kind of cool. It keeps you on target sort of from a historical perspective. So... Uh, not to nerd out too much, but I love ancient history. 
So that game is like right up my alley. So um, now you've done that, are yeah. you going to play something else now? Or are you Look, gonna... I'm going to start a new campaign in that game as, I think, Parthia. Because that's my number two favourite faction from the original uh, Rome Total War. Mm-hmm. I'm very excited to play as Parthia because they're very different. They're like, they're like nomads that use like horse... Like they're all cavalry based with horse archers... And, um, you know, very, they're very Eastern, you know, so yeah. it'll be very different to playing as Rome. Um, but I think that'll be something as a bit of a side project. I'm really looking to find something to invest most of my time and attention in. Probably will be The Witcher. <laughs> um, oh. But I'm kind of afraid to get too much deep into that game because it is something that one of my friends um, has described as an endless game, you know? <laughs> yeah, I mean, you can, uh, you can get... I, th- I think you can get forever distracted in yeah, there. And it's yeah. not necessarily a bad thing. You certainly get your money's worth. But mm, uh, mm. apparently even sticking to the main quest can be quite difficult at times. Yeah. Because, you know, you, it's always tempting to go off and do side stuff and level up. So, you, you know, you're the appropriate thing. And then, mm. yeah. So I'm not sure where... I, I've been tempted to play a platformer recently. I don't know why, but I've been thinking, you know what's fun platformers? A 2D? Yeah, I'm thinking 3D? like a, something, something a bit... You know, pixelati or a bit throwbacky, maybe. So mm. I was looking at Volgar the Viking on Steam a bit, going, mm, "That looks like something that might be up my alley." So uh, I don't know. Uh, yeah, tune in next week. I might have something new for you. So uh, that's been my gaming. Cool. How about you, AC? You been up to much? Yeah, I've I've got a, a bit of stuff going on at the moment. I think it's fair to say. <laughs> um, one of the things I did complete recently, which I don't think I've mentioned, and you can correct me if I have mentioned it before, mm. but I 100 percent Doki Doki Panic. Ah, cool. So I did mention that I was playing that game. Now, yeah. I'm sure that you all know Doki Doki Panic is the original Super Mario Brothers 2 for the West. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a Famicom Disk System game where you can save... Now, the reason I say I 100%ed it is because to finish that game properly, you have to get all four characters yeah. to the end of the game. Yes, you mentioned this last, last and time. And if you right? get a game over, you can start from the beginning of that wherever your last save was. Mm. Uh, but at the beginning of that world with only three lives or two lives or whatever it is. Right. Basically, you die You die more than twice, you're dead. Wow. Um, but, you know, the, the um, slot machine system... Mm. Uh, you know, really helps giving you more lives. And after you've done the level several times, (laughs) you really get a feel for it. Yeah. And this was basically when I was sick. Uh, Just before I had to go back to Japan on um, for emergency reasons, I was quite sick uh, with a, um, a throat infection. And I couldn't talk much. And I also could not risk giving the virus, I think it was a virus rather than an infection, mm. um, to my uh, wife or my, you know, my breastfeeding wife or my daughter, mm. who mm. is like, you know, was only shy of, just shy of three months old at the time. So yeah. I was basically, I wasn't allowed to go into work, wasn't really allowed to interact with the rest of my family <laughs> oh dear. without a face mask. Mm. Um, and I was, you know, was feeling pretty, pretty damn shitty, to be honest. So I was basically confined to my room playing Doki Doki Panic or whatever other games I have. I think I just wanted to complete Doki Doki Panic because I'd got it in from Japan. Uh, And, you know, I always wanted to kind of get more of a feel for that game because I don't think I'd ever completed it in the original uh, NES or uh, Super NES. And even though you could save, it just never held my interest long enough. Right. And I actually have like a, a CRT television in my room. 
mm. that has Batman on it. <laughs> so it's, it's like a Batman-shaped sort of uh, CRT television. It's got like the Batman symbol down the bottom and it's kind of like a curved shape. Right. And I've got like a, um, a, a twin Famicom system hooked up to it. So, I, you know, if I, if I am consigned to my room, I can sort of, you know, play whatever Famicom or Famicom Disk System game I can. And this, my choice this time was Doki Doki Panic. It saved my sanity somewhat. Hmm. Uh, and, you know, I, it's very rare that I would 100% a game like that and, you know, get the proper ending. Hmm. But I did it. I got it. I saw the final cutscene. Um, I have no idea how to erase the save. Okay. So everything's just right. complete on disc at the moment. And there must be a way. Yeah, yeah. But I just kind of tossed it aside and just went, well, that was a thing that I did. 100%ed. That's a <laughs> feather in my cap, I suppose. Sure, no, that's that's an achievement, you know. Um, the other thing is I have been um, just pottering around in the garage. Now, a, a couple of, I think it was not, I think it was actually the last time I was in Japan. No, no, the time before last now. Uh, I was in Akihabara, which is like the main geek capital in Tokyo, mm-hmm. uh, the day before I went back. And I was just going there just once more just to have a bit of a look around, a bit of a poke. Mm-hmm. And when I was in Super Potato, the famous retro gaming store, I saw a Virtual Boy. Ah. And the, this Virtual Boy was no stand, no uh, I, like foam eyepiece that goes over the top to kind of hide the light around it. It was just the headset. Right. And the controller with no battery pack at the back. Right. Uh, but, you know, it was a thousand yen, ten bucks. And I went, yeah, I'll, I'll take that. You know, mm-hmm. it's always good to have a spare controller for stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I was I got it home and I fiddled around with it. I opened it up and learnt how a Virtual Boy worked. I couldn't repair it and just kind of went, oh, well, you know, um, no harm, no foul. It was cheap and I have a spare controller which is, and I have some parts if I need some parts. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I kind of put it away in a box. I think I used it in a video for the 20th anniversary of the Virtual Boy, which was last year, I okay. do believe. I did a video for that. Right, yes. Early part of the year. Yes. Uh, where I just talked about how it worked and some of them showed off some of the games for it. Uh, not a very popular video, but then again, I never really told many people about it. It was just something I did put up and people went, oh, that's interesting. That, that's it. I have no idea if, if more people have watched it since. Sure. It's very hard to capture Virtual Boy footage. Mm-hmm. Uh, then a couple of nights ago, I was like pottering around on YouTube, as you do. Yes. And I saw all of these weird videos about, you know, how to cook your virtual boy. And at first I went, this sounds like a jolly gaff. <laughs> I would not mind putting my virtual boy in there and cooking it, you know, using some sort well, of... Well, you're talking about sticking it in an oven, pan frying, a uh, saute, yeah. or... Uh... Pretty much. Actually an oven, literally an oven. <laughs> Uh, but it's a little more complicated than that. I, I keep saying... I, I'd heard about it before. Someone on a podcast mentioned it, and I was, I was rooting... Wait, why... Back up. Okay. Why would you want to cook your virtual boy? Okay. This... You haven't explained that <laughs> This is... I'm getting to that bit. Because <laughs> like... it's delicious. <laughs> it's, mm-hmm. it's all that it's good for. Is that the nutritional value is nothing, but it's still better than playing the games. Uh... <laughs> uh, and... Okay, so the reason you want to cook your virtual boy... <laughs> Sorry. The reason you want to pan fry your virtual boy in garlic butter... Okay, I, I should back up a bit here. You do not stick your entire virtual boy in the oven. Disclaimer, folks. Do with not shift that. And with a piece of parsley and go... Mm-hmm. That's some good 3D Tetris not, right there. Do not baste your virtual boy before. That's probably in the instruction manual. I have the original instruction manual. It's a laugh. I'm sorry. 
Do just... not use your virtual boy as a polo mallet. I'm pretty sure that's one of them. <laughs> so, I have a boxed, fully working virtual boy. I have the majority of the virtual boy titles by accident, mostly. There are. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to go for a full set because some of them are like five hundred dollars, a thousand dollars, and I don't care about the virtual boy that much. Um, so there is a problem with the Virtual Boy, and the reason they break down after a while mm-hmm. is because the ribbon cable that leads to the eyepiece is where it displays the image. Right. Um, has a fault in which uh, the ribbon cable is not soldered onto the um, the circuit board. It's glued on. Oh, wow. And the glue over a long extended period of time, say, oh, I don't know, 20 years, yeah, yeah. begins to harden. Right. And the trick is... To disassemble your Virtual Boy, take these particular pieces out, right. put them in the oven at... And everyone on the internet says, 250 degrees! And you go, is that is that Fahrenheit or Celsius? Because yeah. that's a pretty important distinction. Yeah, yeah. I decided to play it safe and go Celsius. Uh, sorry, uh, no, Fahrenheit. Yeah, yeah. And that's sensible because 250 degrees... It's fucking hot. 250 degrees Celsius is something like, what, like 380 Fahrenheit? Yeah, something horribly, horribly... It's like surface of the sun. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. You do not want to cook your any Virtual Boy part, no matter how delicious at that temperature. (laughs) Uh, Succulent Chinese (laughs) Virtual Boy? (laughs) I'm arrested for what? For cooking my Virtual Boy? My succulent Chinese Virtual Boy? Okay, when you say succulent Chinese Virtual Boy, we're heading into a whole different discussion. (laughs) Over there, which I am really regret bringing up now. Sorry. Do not, do not make that the title of this episode. People at home, do not cook a Chinese boy in the oven. Virtual or otherwise. Chinese boys should not be eaten, consumed, nor cooked. Do we really have to point that out to our... I think we do. do. I think we do. Uh, so basically, <laughs> sorry, <laughs> you have broken me here. No, I know, I know. So I figured I had nothing to lose, so I disassembled my Virtual Boy. I was actually quite because this Virtual Boy, I think the people at Super Potato had tried to repair this before. I think it used to be the X Display model that is was quite famously part of the stand, and you know they've obviously replaced it a couple of times. Mm. I didn't think this would work. I put these pieces in the oven and, you know, they say two minutes. Uh, I have a fan-forced oven, so I put it in there for a total of 30 seconds, I think. And then you notice that the, the ribbon cables actually start to fall over. Oh, dear. Due to the heat. Wow. And I kind of went, you know, as much as I don't mind breaking my Virtual Boy, I want to see if this actually works or not. So I pulled them out. Mm. Um, I pressed down on the glue with like a, um, like a, this, like the flat side of a butter knife. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then you know, after it cooled down a bit, you know, I just kept pressing it for a couple of minutes. Put everything back together, and I thought, I don't think I, I don't think that there was enough heat. I don't think I did this long enough. Mm. I don't think I've done anything right. I turned it on with uh, Bomberman Panic, which is like a puzzle game in there, and it worked. Wow! It actually, factually, cooking pieces of your Virtual Boy in the oven, the correct pieces. Your your Virtual Boy, the console, not the Chinese boy that you found at the corner store. And anyway, where do you get your? Ch- your Chinese virtual boy. The IGA, where else? <laughs> local, your local supermarket. 20 bucks for half a dozen. Oh, we're both going to hell for this. <laughs> He's a virtual Chinese boy. He's not a I real... I don't care. He probably does, though. Yeah. 
real. I would never cook a real Chinese <laughs> boy. <laughs> the fact that you cook a virtual one is quite disturbing. Uh, uh, and so basically, at the end of this, I now have another virtual boy. <laughs> I kind of don't know what to do with it. Whenever you say virtual boy now, I just think of like a hologram of an actual boy. A like, succulent Chinese virtual like, boy? Like, you know, Obi-Wan Kenobi in like, like, no, no, not Obi-Wan Kenobi. You know, like Princess Leia in like the opening sequence of like Star Wars where she's like the little hologram. Like, I just imagine this like hologram boy. <laughs> Putting him into an oven? <laughs> My new father. Oh boy. Please don't cook me. <laughs> I certainly hope I... I don't know if you've got... If you've got a Chinese boy whose first sentence is literally, please don't cook me, you may have built up a bit of a reputation. (laughs) Oh boy, my new father, I'm Chinese. That's Chinese Mickey Mouse. Like my my flawless Chinese boy impersonation. That's like the least racist way, or the most racist way you could have done it. If I did a real... If I did an actual honest attempt at a Chinese boy impersonation, it would definitely be racist. And then, not only would I be talking about cooking a boy, I'd also be talking... So, you know how my wife said before this show, don't say anything really, really... (laughs) Offensive. Offensive. Offensive were her exact words. Yeah, I think we trampled on that. Yeah, we did. Yeah. So, basically, cooking your virtual boy, A-OK thing to do. (laughs) Stop. Should I call it a VB? I don't know. After, when I was doing this and when it worked, like, I don't have a stand for this. I don't have a battery pack. But I I suppose I could fashion a stand and fashion power to this thing so it would work. And, Mm. like, you know, fashion kind of like a... a uh, like a foam set of goggles around it so you can you can look at it. Mm, mm. Uh, these are possibilities that I could do with my second Virtual Boy. Right. I probably won't do those things because I don't know why I needed a second Virtual Boy. I needed one for parts before. Yeah. Now I know how to fix them. Mm. Uh, and you don't really want to play the Virtual Boy for any more than 15 minutes. In fact, there are warnings <laughs> when you start a game that says do not play this for more than 15 minutes. It will automatically pause. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. And possibly self-destruct. <laughs> so, after after the end of this, I was actually thinking of doing a video. Mm-hmm. Uh, I told you about this before. Uh, I don't think I can do this video because I don't have enough time. Mm. But I was basically thinking of like comparing the Virtual Boy and uh, the Nintendo 64 and uh-huh. seeing which one was superior. When I was like jotting all this down on a piece of paper <laughs> as a laugh, I went, geez, I think the Virtual Boy might actually be superior. <laughs> when, you, when you look at the percentage of games that are good versus the percentage of games that are bad, the Virtual Boy kind of wins, you know. You got, you, got, you got the 3D of Super Mario, Super Mario 64, which really doesn't work that well. It's mm. a terrible game. <laughs> versus, you know, uh, Wario Land, Virtual um, Boy Wario Land. This is a much better game, really. <laughs> And, like, the Virtual Boy kept coming out on top, and I was going, well, I could release this onto the internet as basically as a giant troll. Yes. And get myself beaten up. Yeah. Get a lot of hate mail and stuff. That'd I be really, great. really would. I, it, it's kind of turning around in my head as the way I could I could work that into a comedy. But uh, the only other thing that I've been doing at the moment is uh, planning to go back to Japan. Yeah. Because I'm going back for about five weeks. The end of the year. From the middle of December to about the 21st of January. Yeah. Uh, I've started making a plan. Uh, I'm calling it uh, Japlanning. <laughs> and that's about as far as I've got with my plan. Like, plan. I, I've got a very clever name, Japlanning. <laughs> that's, that's all you need, really. Uh, yeah. The first two weeks, until just after New Year's anyway, is mm. going to be spent in Guma, where, near my wife's hometown. Sure. Uh, I can't enter my wife's actual house 
uh, for very long because they have cats and I'm deathly allergic to them. Uh, he's, he is actually deathly allergic. Yeah, like I will. I actually almost died once. Yeah, uh, from staying there. So we basically have to rent me an apartment. Mm. So now I've got this thing where my wife is probably going to be spending time over at her childhood home, mm-hmm. and you know she'll come and see me every day and stuff like that. But you know there will be large swaths of time where I'll be by myself in an apartment in like a regional. Regional place in yeah, Japan. It's not exactly the the epicenter of 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 what's hip hop happening in Japan. No, exactly. Yeah, it is rural, uh, and I don't mind being there. But I, I've started looking at what I'm, what kind of things I'm going to transfer onto my tablet so I can watch them. And I'm like thinking entire, not just seasons of television shows, but like entire series. Right. Uh, so like I'm all of a sudden I'm looking at SG One going, ooh, ten seasons of SG One, two weeks alone, not bad. <laughs> So I'm just kind of planning that, and then I'm I'm going to be spending after New Year's with my um, my uh, my best man Andrew Elchan Lynch, and I actually called him Andrew Elchan Yoshimura on the last yeah, show. I think you did, yeah, by accident, and neither of us picked it up, yeah. and I don't think anyone else in the audience picked it up aside from me. And then I like totally said, "Hi, I totally called you." Andrew Elchan, Yoshimura, and he went, you know, it's worth things to be known as, I suppose. And I said, yeah, like Campbell, my maiden. Oh, I just made myself sad. <laughs> uh, so I'll be spending a couple of weeks after New Year's with him. Yeah, and cool. uh, we might actually be doing a kind of a special uh, Game Life Balance Australia episode with him, maybe. Yeah. Uh, it was going to be a guide, and now we're thinking it might be something a little bit more. And now I've said it on the show, Elchan, so you have to do this now. This is, this is locked in now. This is locked in, yeah. We, you, we've, we've hired you for an episode. There's, you know, we do a lot of things to our fans. We disappoint them. We insult them. We upset them. We belittle them. Yep. But we do not go back on a promise we make to our fans. Forced labor is what this is, effectively. Yeah. So, <laughs> uh, yes, you are now the official third Beatle. Um... <laughs> He does, he does a great impression of Apu from that episode. Of <laughs> Back then, I was known as the fifth Beatle. Beatle. <laughs> sure you were, Apu. <laughs> All right. All right, so that's, that's kind of where my game life is at the moment. Cool. Uh, I believe you have a quiz mm-hmm. for me. I do have a quiz, which I... I was not surprised by that at all. I whipped it up in the oven. I, I rem- Please tell me it's a virtual boy quiz. It's because I reckon I could ace that one. It is a quiz about cooking Chinese boys. <laughs> okay, AC, I have prepared for you a spooky video game spooky quiz with added spooks. <laughs> oh man, I hope we're not heading back into racist territory. No, we're, de- we're definitely not. I want- they do- <laughs> I mean spooky. What's this cookbook? As in... Just... just, just, just hang on. Martha Stewart's 10 Fabulous Ways to Cook Your Virtual Boy. Why do you have this, Rob? <laughs> I like to... Look, my own predilections, yeah. be they sexual or otherwise, <laughs> are my own concern. Why is Martha Stewart naked in this? Why? why What's she doing with that virtual boy? Why isn't she naked? Is, <laughs> that makes no sense, but moving on. Uh, okay, 10 questions. These are all just generally questions about spooky, creepy, scary, or just, you know, just generally a little bit macabre okay. uh, video games, because right. it is the season. Is it, is it true or false? Is it? Ah, uh, it's all sorts. It's, okay. a, it's a mixed grab bag of spooky holiday fun. Okay. Okay. Uh, question... Like your shoes. Y- yes. How did you know? Question... I took a dump in them, that's why. Uh, yeah. <laughs> question number one. God damn it. Question number one. <laughs> all right, you ready? Yeah. I'm ready. In the Master System Classic, 
Ghost House. You thought I was going to say Dynamite Ducks there, didn't you? In the in the Master System Classic Ghost House, yeah. What action from the player will trigger a trap that shoots an arrow? Uh, what do you do in that game that makes an arrow fly at you? Turn it on. <laughs> Is that your answer? No, that's not my answer. I don't think I'll get this. Um, you know, I do actually own that game. Yeah, I think I've only played it once. Okay. For the good reason that it's not a good game. No. I think it was a, it was a card game as well in the Master yes, System. Yes, you're right. Yes. Uh, and, you know, that tells you how small that game is. Yes. It could fit on a credit card size card from, mm-hmm. like, 1986. Uh, mm, uh, I will say you kill a bat. No, it's when you walk past a fireplace. Mm, okay. Every time you walk past a fireplace, an arrow flies at you. Pro tips for those ghost house players at home. Um, if you own the game and you've been playing it regularly for the past 36 years, mm, so 30 you, years. 30 what you years. do is you duck. You duck and crawl whenever you see Did a, you play that game a lot, Rob? Uh, yeah, it was one of the games that I owned. Oh. So I played a lot of Ghost House growing up. Oh. Uh, yeah, I know, right? Yeah. yeah. Okay. I kind of don't want to win this quiz already. You okay. Wonder, if you wonder why I'm such a warped human being, then the answer is because I play a lot of Ghost House growing up. So, question... Well, there's more to it than that, but... Question number two. Okay. In Castlevania 2, Simon's Quest. Yes. Gameplay is frequently interrupted with annoying cutscenes, mm-hmm. as you well know. What does the text say when the day turns to night? And for bonus points, what does it say when the night turns to day? So um, the first question I answer the first part first. You know, you and I have played this game I for want an to episode be, of Bit Seizure. I want it to be damn near word perfect for you to get the points here. Oh, Fuck off. Um, what does the text say when the day turns to night? Oh, what a horrible night to have a curse. That's so close, I'm going to give you the points. It's, yeah, there's no O, but it, okay. it, what a horrible night to have a curse. Okay. Is, is, so you get the points there, so... Right, and the other one is um, the the dawn has vanquished the evil night or something uh, like that. Not close enough. The morning sun has vanquished the horrible night. Okay, so uh, yeah. No bonus points for you, but well done. Well done. Uh, question number three. In the original Resident Evil game for the PlayStation, mm-hmm. what is Jill the master of? Sandwich making. <laughs> is that your answer? Yep. Unlocking. <laughs> she is the master of unlocking. Not according to the internet, bucko. <laughs> <laughs> the internet of sexists. Damn it. Uh, question number four. I don't think. I don't think it. I don't think it was a sexy sandwich that she was making. Uh, mm, like a Barry sandwich or something. <laughs> Barry. A Jill sandwich, that's right, there was a Jill, a Jill sandwich. You were almost a Jill sandwich. Now I remember yeah, that. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. But you also would remember my favourite line from that game. I'm going to give you this lockpick, Jill, because you are the master of unlocking. <laughs> Words to that effect. Question number four. That's a, that's a hilarious game. Question number four. That were part of my marriage vows. <laughs> what, master of unlocking? <laughs> You're almost a Maria She was wondering sandwich. why I called it Jill. I was about to do a horrible racist uh, impression of my Japanese wife then, uh, and I stopped myself. Good, good call. The chances are that she, like, she would probably listen to this like twenty years down the you track, know, and then she would just stab me, and I'd go, "Why? Why?" And she said, that thing you said on the podcast twenty years ago, you go, "It's a yeah, fair cop." You know, I was going to call this episode the Halloween special, but I think I'm going to call it the damn near racist special. <laughs> The skirting racism special. I think we may have overstepped the line yeah. with, the, with the boys that are virtual who get cooked. <laughs> Chinese virtual. And who may or may not be succulent. <laughs> succulent Chinese oh, virtual boy? Oh dear. Question number four. Get your hands off my boy. <laughs> getting worse and worse. <laughs> worse and worse and worse. Okay, alright, alright. Question number four. Question four. 
True or false? The release of the notorious NES game Fester's Quest Mm -hmm. was timed to coincide with the then new Adam's Family movie. False. That's right, false. The Adam's Family movie was released two years later in 1991. For some reason, someone was... Like thinking, you know what the world needs? An Adam's Family video game, apropos of nothing. Yeah, because you know why? You and I have played extensively the Adam's Family video game from 1991. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that is the actual, like, you know, movie tying. The game. Ocean, yeah. And yeah. It's, it's not, you know what? It's a hard game. Yeah. But also, you don't really die, or you keep dying, but you keep starting back exactly where you left off, mm. no matter how many lives you've lost. So. Yeah. It's kind of an odd one, that one, but I've never finished it because I just got bored of it, I think. I just think it's amazing and fascinating to think about. But when Fester's Quest was made for no reason. They were like, you know what? This, like, long-dead TV show that no one cares about anymore. But the thing is that it was on repeat horribly (laughs) during the 80s. You and I are both very... That's true. Particularly au fait with The Addams Family because it was one of those black-and-white TV shows on. Mm. It was usually, like... You'd watch the the monsters or Adam's Family, and then it was like Batman, the the yeah. now in Technicolor sixties television yeah. series. But I mean, look, I'll put it to you this way: no one made a Mister Ed video game in nineteen eighty nine. No one made a I Love Lucy video game that I'm aware of in nineteen eighty nine. <laughs> I tricked you with that question once, right? But like, they decided no, Adam's Family. That's the bandwagon we need to jump on. Let's put money, real money. <laughs> Into making a... Fe- and it's a game about Festa. Not even, like... Not even about, like, you know, Gomez or, like, you know... But you, you see, the thing is here, like, you are completely surprised by this. I'm not. <laughs> like, I just... Oh, I, I am God. just so not unsurprised by, like, you know, like, taking 60s properties which have been dead and trying to spark them up in some new way. That is how, literally how the movie got made in the first place. Yeah, it's true. But the movie was good, whereas Festus well, Quest is here's the thing, like, when that movie good. came out, it yeah. was, it was, it wasn't panned, but it was saying it was a horrible, cynical attempt to try and revive the 60s television series. Yeah, yeah. And they said, well, this movie has its merits. Oh, yes, we're very angry at the fact that they tried to drag something rather than using original Hollywood ideas. They, those people who said that would be spinning in their grave at all the bloody remakes we have nowadays. <laughs> exactly. That was the start of something. Yeah, yeah. Because, you know, you know, Batman could have been seen in that way back then mm-hmm. by people who were not familiar with the comics. Well, I think anyway, we're only three years away from a new Spider-Man, aren't we? <laughs> They're going to reboot the whole Spider-Man thing again. They've done that three times so yeah, far. Yeah, it's disgusting. All right, moving on. Question five. Question number five. We're standing like old curmudgeons here, so I'm going to move on. Question five. Name all the ghosts in the original Western arcade release of Pac-Man. No, oh, The bugger. Western version. The Western version. There are uh, four ghosts. Name all four ghosts. Uh, inky, Pinky, Stupid. Mm, no. Fuck with. <laughs> Damn, you got two. That's no good. I needed Blinky. Ah, Blinky. And Clyde. You had, oh, you had Clyde, Pinky okay. and Inky. So one of the ones in <laughs> yes. in Japan was called Bucker or Stupid. Because it right. was completely randomised. Didn't we do like, we Pac-Man did. as a featured game in we the original did, run? We did, I think. Yeah. I think we did. Uh, we may have actually been the one that... Mm, yeah. We'll have to actually go back and... We'll take that question on notice. Yeah. Thanks, um, and, uh, we'll if, get back if to you. one of our really old fans could actually go back into our episodes and tell us either way, <laughs> that'd be really good. Yeah, but anyway, we did cover... I remember talking at length about the fact that one of them was called Stupid. Yeah, in the Japanese version, <laughs> yeah. yeah, Clyde. Yeah, okay. Because his right. AI was really bad. Yeah. yeah. Well, I bet it was meant to be. It was meant to be randomised. You couldn't tell what he's going to do, you know? Mm. Is he stupid or stupid like a fox? Stupid. Yeah, yeah. true. Yeah. Okay, question number six. Okay. 
Now, I don't expect you to know this, but feel free to guess. Okay. How many Five Nights at Freddy's games are there at the moment? And I say at the moment because for all we know, the bloke who makes those could make another one any minute now and release it. Six. Close, that's five. five. There's five. Oh, five Nights at Freddy's. Five. I'm not counting the spin-offs. Okay, I'm only right, counting right. like the main line Five Nights at Freddy's games. I was confident going into that one. Yeah, um, there were five. There's, there's numbers one through four, and then there's another one called Five Nights at that, Freddy's. I'll be colon right. something, something, something. Yeah, I'll be right in about six months' time. I yeah, think. you will. So um, I'll give you a point in, in six months' time. Okay. Until then. I'll then, take that point. Yeah, you r- remind me and I'll give you it. Um, question number seven. Yep. In which city... This is a poorly written question. In which city is the popular Wii U game Zombie U set? London. Correct. Points for you. Yes, I awkward, awkwardly phrased that, but you managed to get through it anyway. Yeah, yeah, sorry. Uh, okay. I've actually played that game. Cool. It was, it was, it was, a, like re- it? It was a release game. Uh, you know what? I don't own it. Um, and it's like one of those $10 games which keeps saying, oh, I remember playing it was all right, but you know, never really picked it up. A lot of people consider it to be one of like the better games on the Wii U. So. It was, yeah. I mean, yeah. it really showed off what you could do in the early one. I like the idea of like when you die, you can go back and collect the stuff off your old corpse effectively yeah. like, as a new character. That's kind of a cool idea. But other than that, like it didn't, you know, it had legs, but they weren't long legs. Okay. Uh, it's got legs. It knows how to use them. Question number eight. In the infamous NES game, Friday the 13th, mm. what color is Jason Voorhees' clothing? Mm, purple. Yes, you're right. You're right. Mm. Purple. I, 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 was, I thought pink until I looked it up. But it is yeah, in fact purple. No, purple seems like the kind of... Pink seems too garish. Like, yeah. purple is, like, dark. Yeah. Without getting too... It's a bit dark and a bit mysterious. Yeah, because I'm kind of familiar with the NES color palette. There are only certain yeah. colors you can use, and there are only a certain amount of color palettes that can be on a sprite And as the well. pink, the NES pink, is like a very dusty, kind of like grandma-y kind of pink. Like, it, mm. it doesn't... It wouldn't look right mm. at all. Uh, all right, good. Well done, you. Question number nine. What is the name of the princess you must rescue in Ghosts and Goblins? Oh, uh, Princess Prin Prin? Yes, correct. Well done. You summoned that up from the depths of your... <laughs> it's in there. There's the, the depths that my brain has are, is literally amazing. <laughs> I am literally amazed by what I know sometimes. I want to say, and I, I don't know if this is true, but I would like... And also, it's such a Japanese stupid name. I, know, I was going to say, that, I hope that sounds a lot cooler in Japanese. No, it doesn't. No, it's, <laughs> it's as dumbassery as it is here as it is over there. It's like... It's like well, we need to name a princess something. Uh, Prin? Prin? <laughs> God damn it. That's, <laughs> that is exactly how that meeting would like, gone. You are a genius and you get a raise. <laughs> <laughs> but you can't use your name in the credits of the game. Because no, it's no. <laughs> and it's, it's the 80s. But uh, anyway. Okay. Uh, yeah, look, they may as well have called the, the bloke. Because was, it was like Sir Arthur or something. But they it probably was, should yeah. have called him Nighty McKnight Knight. <laughs> By that logic. That would have made more, more sense. Uh, <laughs> question number 10. Okay. Last question. Yeah. Uh, if I get this... If we you tie? Th- we tie, so... If I get it, I win. That's right. Okay. Question 10. True or false? The incredibly successful survival horror game, The Last of Us, was the first game to be released under Australia's then-new R18 Plus rating. False. Correct. I think the first one was Mortal Kombat 10. Uh, according to my or... research, it was Ninja Gaiden 3, Razor's Edge. Ah, okay. Well, I was wrong, but I still get the point, because yeah. I was right about that. I knew it wasn't that... 
No, actually, Last of Us came out like over a year later. Mm. Um, so it was it was nowhere near the first game. But a lot of people think of it as the first one because it's the first one they bought, I suppose. Ah, oh, okay. You know, the first popular one. Mm. I knew uh, I knew it was I knew because I remember the the rating system was a big deal then. <clears throat> I remember people were importing uh, Mortal Kombat, one mm. of the Mortal Kombat games, like illegally, I suppose you could say. Yeah. Or more, more grey marketly than anything else. Yeah. So, final score. Andrew is six. Rob, four. I really thought I was going to lose that quiz, actually. But, yeah, um, close there. But uh, well done, you. You remembered a couple it's... of really important facts, like Princess Prin Prin, etc. So, uh, yeah. Prin Prin, etc. You deserve that. Now, before we close out the show, yep. I do really want to say a very big thank you yes. to our friends, me and my shadow, yes, who uh, created for us out of the kindness of their hearts and for no payment other than the dubious credit of being the creators of the host muse of the music for this show. Uh, so we've been working on this music for a little while, and when yeah. I say we, I really mean me and my shadow, and I don't mean me as in Watashi. I mean the band Me and My Shadow, the the rock and roll slash electronica band out of Kansas. Me and my shadow from yes, Kansas in the U.S. Uh, they reached out to me. They said, hey, we like your show. We'd like to make uh, theme music for it, if you're so inclined. I said, words to the effect, hell yes. Um, <laughs> Maybe a couple of fucks in there as well. Uh, yeah. Oh, fucking yes. And uh, yeah, they put together the, the theme that you heard at the start of the show. And we really do want to uh, thank them and give them credit. Uh, they're awesome. I've listened to a bunch of their music on SoundCloud. Uh, me yeah, and me my too, show. actually. And check it out because they, they have a lot of range from, you know, the sort of um, chip tunesy stuff you heard at the start of the show through to kind of what I'd call kind of like a dark kind of like uh, rock. Sort of, I don't even want to even put words to it. It's very, it's very interesting. And, and, and um, I just put it on in the house the other day like, yeah. because I just got my, my computer hooked up to my television. And I just turned on the TV and I went. I'm just going to listen to some of this stuff. It's cool. Those guys... It's nice kind of like just doing stuff around the house and it's like going, yeah, that's kind of cool. And yeah. I, don't, I don't listen to music a lot, so that's um, that's a credit to itself. Yeah, but, those guys uh, are awesome and I count them as friends and uh, yeah. So, at Omega Hi-Fi. Yes. Check them out on the Twitter. official Twitter there. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, and it's just... They've done a fabulous job and not only that, but they've retooled it a couple of times for us as well. Yeah, like, they were they, very patient with us with our like terrible like uninformed notes about what... <laughs> Well, I really think you should do something different here. <laughs> like, we probably really insulted them, but um, they were very, very good about all I of really that. like the end product. Like, this yeah. has been in the works for a little while. Um, the theme we used to have before was, uh, I think... Anamanaguchi? We, we yeah, yeah, yeah. Anamanaguchi. We were legally able to use that um, if we referenced them. Yes. Uh, but it wasn't unique to who we are. No. And I think this this tune is really, really unique to to both Rob and I. Yeah. It's made just for us, uh, and so we will use that uh, moving forward with um, with our thanks and yes, appreciation. Thanks. And what so. we're going to do at the end of this episode, after we've read the copy, is that we're actually going to play the track in its entirety because we can't. Unfortunately, we can't play like uh, a two and a half minute song at the start of every episode. No, but for your listening pleasure, you will hear the whole thing at the end of this episode, as AC said. And uh, if you like it, hey, why don't you go check out the rest of the stuff? Um, either check them out on Twitter, SoundCloud, wherever you, you want to go. Um, the great guys and great musicians too. So okay. with that, uh, would you like me to I'll read, read the, the, I'll read the copy. Right, go I'll for I'll it. I'll read the copy. Not in the Queen voice, please, because 
That went, you ruined it. That went very bad. I got a lot of feedback on Twitter about that. Was it good feedback? Do we get any kind of good feedback ever? <laughs> the best feedback we've ever gotten was to the effects of a succulent Chinese meal. <laughs> yeah, true. Okay. All right, all right, all right. Oh, man, you ru- totally ruined me there. <laughs> I, I know how you think. That's the thing. Yes, okay. We heard... <laughs> I can't do it. Okay. We hope you've enjoyed listening to Game Life Balance Australia, the Australian edition of the Game Life Balance podcast. You can visit us on the web at GameLifeBalanceAustralia.com, where you'll find links to our podcast feeds, video content, blog posts, and links to our sister show in the US, who we horribly insulted at the beginning of this episode. We actually really like them, and just for the record, neither of them uh, do drugs or sell drugs. Well, they don't sell... Well, I mean... No, no, no. They don't do drugs or sell them ever. <laughs> ever. You see, Uncle Stabbo's a pharmacist. <laughs> and Cody... Has it... Cody is Cody. <laughs> Cody, it's on the record what Cody's... Yeah, what Cody got does going on. in his leisure <laughs> time is actually... <laughs> Uh, with, with that being said, um, as far as I know, I don't affiliate with anyone that has ever taken any drugs ever. I have to fire you from this podcast, you realise? You can follow this drug fiend on Twitter. <laughs> hey. Rob is at Reported. I hate drugs and everyone who does them. <laughs> I am at Prod Tally and our official Twitter feed is at GLB Australia. And I've got to say, someone came over to my house. To uh, buy a dressing table which wouldn't fit in our, in our new house which we bought last year. It's uh-huh. kind of been hanging out in the spare room. This person came over uh, and was buying in the midst of buying this dressing table off me. Yeah. Said, oh, you you wrote an article for... You write for like the Fairfax website, Sydney Morning Herald. And I just went, what? Wow. And I did, yeah. This guy recognized my name from an article... He read three years ago about wow. like the the history of Nintendo or like one of the articles I used to write for um for the uh, Fairfax website, you know, one of the more popular newspaper sites in Australia. Yeah, so there you go. You are um and that's why henceforth from this point I will refer to you as the famous Andrew AC Yoshimura of internet fame. And you see, startup. the only reason I I was remembered at all is because of my weird name. So I like, go, yeah. I said, what? how did you know? He goes, oh, I just remember reading it. My son, like his son read an article. He goes, yeah, so I remember my son reading an article about it and telling me about it. And then I just thought that your name was weird. I went, yep, that's pretty much me. <laughs> but it means that someone else out there has read it. And it was randomly like... I don't know. It was it was interesting to know that there have been people out there who have read my you, work. You have touched the lives of many people. Much like I touched the buttocks of the Chinese boy that I shoved <laughs> into my oven and cooked not half an hour ago. This is going some very weird places. And with that, we hope you've enjoyed listening to the Game Life Balance Australia podcast, blah, 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 blah. And join us next time for more shenanigans. Until then, here is me and my shadow. <laughs>